let's talk about freedom. Now, in the US at least, freedom is really emphasized as one of the most important concepts that we have, one of the virtues that we hold in the highest esteem. And the Bible even talks about freedom. It talks about how Christ came to set us free. But what does that freedom look like? Does freedom mean that we are free to do what we want? And in what way did Christ set us free? What does that really look like? Let's explore it together. Hi everybody, I'm Joseph Walter and this is Loving Theology. So we're talking about freedom like I said, but we're talking about it actually in the context of the good news, of the gospel, as we explore what really is the good news, what makes the gospel such good news. And you know, whenever you think about what Jesus did, it's amazing how much he accomplished, especially if you think about the fact that it was really just three years where he was in solid ministry. What he did in those three years is incredible. He healed so many people. He um, taught so many people. He fed people. He um, ultimately died for us. And everything that he accomplished, I think because there's so much, it's easy to wonder what was sort of the main point? What was he really here to do? What did he really accomplish? And at the centerpiece of that is the gospel. So what is the gospel? In Luke, Jesus is reading um, from the prophet Isaiah, and he basically answers this question for us. He says this in Luke 4, starting in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So this is the good news. This is the gospel, that he came to set us free, that he came to give us liberty. But what does that mean? I mean, we aren't slaves, so what is Jesus talking about? And Jesus talked about freedom and setting people free over and over. And, and one time, the Jews responded with a similar question. Um, in John 8, starting in verse 33, it says this, that this is the Jews talking whenever they heard this. They said, we have never been enslaved to anyone. So how is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And Peter, in 2 Peter, a little later in the Bible, says basically the same thing. He's explaining um, basically a warning to the people that he's writing to about um, avoiding people who encourage others to sin. And in 2 Peter uh, 2 verse 19, he says this, they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves to corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. And I think these verses teach us something about being slaves to sin. See, the thing about being slaves to sin is that while we are, I don't think that we see it as slavery. In fact, I think that it comes across and it sounds a lot like freedom. You get to do whatever you want. I mean, that sounds like freedom, but the reality is, that it's a con. And like all cons, it steals the very thing that it promises to give. Let me maybe give an example from another series that we have, our series on forgiveness. And the reality is that no one can force you to forgive. So in that way, you're free to choose unforgiveness, to choose to not forgive. But the reality is, and we explore this in that series, that unforgiveness represents a tremendous weight, that it really weighs us down. And so in that way, the freedom that we have if we choose not to forgive, it actually does harm to us. It actually um, sort of binds us and weighs us down rather than truly setting us free so that we can breathe easy. So depending on what we choose, it may not actually result in freedom. And that's really what the point is here with these verses is that sin actually does not lead to freedom. 
it leads to slavery. Do you remember the words to that famous Rolling Stones song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction? I think that there's something in those words, there's something in that song that demonstrates for us the realities of sin. That the more that we indulge those sinful desires, the less that we enjoy them. And at some point, the, the enjoyment that we get from indulging those sinful desires barely compensates us for the sorrow that floods our gut afterwards. And this is something that we talk a little bit about in a series that we have on finding satisfaction. We talk about how there's a struggle to be satisfied in pleasure and how do we actually get satisfied in pleasure. I'll link that, that post below in that series so that it, if that's interesting to you or that's a topic that would be helpful to you, you can check that one out. And so as we realize this, as we realize that the enjoyment that we get from this over the long run really doesn't balance out, that we're actually getting more sorrow from doing this than we are getting enjoyment. That's the point where maybe we realize, I, I kind of want to stop doing this. I don't, I don't think I want to do that anymore. But then as we make plans to stop, we start to realize that it's become habitual to the point that we can't stop doing it. Maybe, for example, we want to stop being harsh with our kids or with our spouse, but then everything just happens so fast and that's just what we do. Or, or maybe we make plans to stop overeating or to start drinking less, but then anxiety starts to come and that anxiety overwhelms us and we turn back to what we're used to. Or maybe we decide that we are done indulging unhealthy sexual cravings, that we are done dealing with sexual immorality. But then we have a spare moment and the first thought that comes into our mind is something that is unhealthy and we're drawn back to it. And I think at some point in that process, eventually we wake up and realize, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm not free. What we thought was once a promise of freedom has actually turned into our bondage. That what we thought was going to set us free to do whatever we want, that we were giving ourselves free reign to enjoy ourselves, has actually ended up being bondage to something that makes us miserable. The Apostle Paul actually summarizes it pretty well and he explains it this way. In Romans 7, starting at verse 21, he says this, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Now the answer to Paul's question is obviously Christ. Christ is the one who sets us free. Christ is the one who rescues us from this body of death. As a matter of fact, that's what he was talking about in that verse in Luke 4, that he, he came to proclaim liberty to us. But in, in setting us free, he did it because he wants us to be free. So whenever he set us free, he doesn't want us to go back and sin because he knows that at that point we're choosing to go back into slavery. And he came and he paid such a price to set us free from that slavery. Galatians 5.1 explains it so well. It says this, for freedom, Christ has set us free. In other words, he set us free because he wants us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, let me maybe take a step back because that word yoke is not a word that we're very familiar with. Now, I've got another post where I talk about what that yoke is and what it represents and what it teaches us. And I go into detail on what it means to be yoked to Jesus versus yoked to sin. And that post talks is in our series on resting um, in our weakness. And I've got a post also in there that talks about how we're resting in our salvation. And it talks kind of about some of the things that we'll talk about here, but I want to briefly summarize it because I think it's, it's good here. I'll put a link for that in the post though, in case you want to hear more. So a yoke is basically a wooden harness. And that harness um, really binds two animals together. 
And I think this is a great picture for what it means to be um, yoked to slavery or yoked to our sinful desires. We, as if we're one oxen, are, are bound to our sinful desires as if they were another oxen. And they, they start to take us down a road that we don't even want to go anymore. But we're bound to them, so we're, we're being dragged down that road almost. And that's that picture of being yoked to slavery. So what does this freedom that Christ gave us look like? Does it look like we're free to do whatever we want? I think the answer is no. Because we've already seen that that isn't freedom at all. That that doesn't lead to our freedom, but actually leads to our bondage. But why is that? Why isn't that freedom? I mean, that sounds like freedom. Why, why doesn't that lead to freedom? Why does that lead to bondage? I think it's because in doing what we want, what we want actually isn't what's good for us. And that might sound a little counterintuitive because of course I want things that are good for me. But the reality is that what we want often actually leads to our harm. So by contrast then, the freedom that Christ gives us looks different. Instead of setting what we want as our guide, we choose to set what he wants as our guide. And that's because while we, the things that we want lead to our harm, the things that he wants for us lead to our good. That what he wants for us, even if they are a bit unpleasant at times and challenging at times, are in fact good for us. And, and then, instead of being yoked to our sinful desires and having them lead us down a road that we don't want to go, a road that leads to our harm, we choose instead to be yoked to Jesus' desires, to what he wants for us, because we know that they lead to something that is good for us. And there's a verse in Matthew 11:30 that says, his yoke is easy. And that word easy is not just translated simply as easy. As a matter of fact, it means both kind and good in the original language. And as I was reading about that word, I read this. It said, we have no adjective in English that conveys this blend of being kind and good at the same time. So it is that Christ is kind to us and good to us. That whenever he leads us to what he desires for us, he is leading us down a road that is good for us and a road that protects our freedom so that we can remain free, so that we can remain healthy. So in that way, the commands and the instructions that he gives us are not given to us to inhibit our freedom or to limit what we're allowed to do, but actually to enable our freedom, to protect the freedom that he paid such a price for. We've got another post where we talk about how his commandments are love, and we explore that concept a little bit further. I'll, I'll link that below in case that's something you want to hear more about. So what this verse teaches us then in Galatians is that even as Christians, we can fall back into slavery to sin, that we can submit again to the yoke of slavery. So whether you're a believer or not a believer, either way, you might find yourself feeling trapped and feeling unfulfilled. And maybe even you're struggling to feel that there is the possibility of rescue. But I want to assure you of something. I want to assure you that God has the desire to set you free. And more than that, he has the ability to do it too. He has the power and the will to set you free. I don't know if you've seen that recent movie, Harriet. And I, I guess I shouldn't say recent. It's been out now for a few years. Um, but in that movie... Um, it is just an incredible story of what Harriet did. It was such a moving picture. Um, and there's this scene in there that still stands out in my mind. 
in it, um, the abolitionists have basically gathered together because it's getting harder to set these slaves free. It's getting hard to rescue them. And so they're talking about how do we do that? How do we set them free? Should we give up? And in talking about that and in struggling with that question, Harriet launches into this moving speech. And she finishes it with this. In talking about the slaves, she says, I have heard their groans and sighs and seen their tears. And I would give every last drop of blood in my veins to free them. And as I watched that, I couldn't help but be overwhelmed with the, the incredible picture that she was of Christ. I mean, that is exactly what Christ did. He gave every last drop of blood to set us free. He gave everything to set us free. With his blood, he bought us so that we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are free. We are his. And if you've seen that movie, maybe in the comments below, let us know one of your favorite scenes. And, and if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to see it. It is such an amazing movie about such an incredible woman and what she did. So what I want you to see in all of this is that he is ready to redeem us from our slavery to sin because he doesn't want us to be condemned to a life of slavery. There's a, there's a verse in Psalms 34 and 22, in verse 22, it says, the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Now it makes no sense for him to set us free against our will. And what that means is that he doesn't force this freedom on any of us. Instead, he extends only an invitation. And indeed, he is extending that invitation to us now. He is extending that invitation to you now. He's extending the invitation to believers who have found themselves again yoked to slavery to sin and trapped. And he's extending the invitation to those of us who don't yet believe, who still have questions about that, but desire that freedom. And I want you to take him up on that invitation, to begin to walk down that road with him and see the freedom that he has for you. Because I promise you, you will not regret taking that invitation. Now, next time that we talk, I'd like to talk about another aspect to what this word liberty represents. Whenever it says that he proclaimed liberty um, and, to set us, and set us at liberty, that not only that liberty provides our freedom, like we talked about today, but it also provides for our position with God, that it provides peace with God and the gift that that is and the way that that is good news. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell because you don't want to miss that one or the rest of this series. I'll also put a link for this series um, below so that if you're watching this later, you can, you can see the whole thing. Thank you again for joining us today.